This morning, we are finishing up our little mini-series called Faith, Family, and Finances. Because every family, if you're a family of one, you're a family of 18, finances are an issue. You've got to deal with it and how to process it. And the Bible talks a lot about how to deal with your finances wisely. So the first week we talked about knowing your why. What is that thing that God has gifted you to bless the world? And if you could do anything without any financial worries of giving back and ministering and serving people, what would that look like? Once you figure out your why, then you can put together your financial plan, which for most people starts with getting out of consumer debt putting together a good emergency fund, getting a, a written budget, and then starting to save for, for retirement and, and beyond retirement, living that why. Last week we talked about kids because kids can be expensive, uh, both as a parent and I'm finding out as a grandparent. So uh, we had a five-year-old birthday party this week and it was a really cool gift that Grandpa found him. So it was good, but it costs money, right? So how do you do that? And, and putting and keeping it all in the right perspective. Then this morning we're going to talk about generosity because the truth is, folk, you can't handle money well unless you learned to give generously. It is one of those truisms that is in the Word of God. And, and I, I want to actually just start and make this premise. Because all over the Bible, when it talks about money, it talks about generosity. Remember the one week we just looked in the book of Proverbs about putting together a plan. Proverbs talks a lot about giving generously. In fact, one of the problems I had this week was just kind of cutting down the verses. All right, so I want to give you a couple though. Proverbs eleven twenty five: the generous man will be prosperous. And he who waters, the idea of watering is they give of, them, of their, what they have. They give out. He who waters will himself be watered. Again, in Proverbs 22, he who is generous will be blessed. For he gives some of his food to the poor. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says you've got to be generous. Then Jesus comes. Jesus picks up the same theme. Jesus, who talked about money a lot, talked about the importance of generosity. In Luke chapter 6, he says this, Give to everyone who asks of you. Ooh, you can preach a sermon on that one, right? And the one who ever takes away what is yours, don't demand it back. In fact, later in that same chapter, we'll, the verse we'll look at a little bit later, he says, give, and it will be given back to you. Generosity is important. Paul even quotes Jesus in the book of Acts. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Generosity is important. Now the question is why? Why would the wisest man who ever lived next to Jesus himself say, got to be generous? Jesus tells us to be generous. Why? I think it is bound up in the fact that we were created in the image of God, right? God created us in his image. We were to bear his image on this earth to reflect his character. And God is a God who gives and he gives generously. In fact, when God created the heavens and the earth and he made the Garden of Eden, he just gave it to Adam and Eve. He says, it's yours. Now, that's not how man works. Man figures out a way how to monetize everything, right? I mean, think about it. What do you need to live? Well, for most of us, that idea of having a house. So man says, I'll build you a house and I'll sell it to you. 
right? You pay for it. Or how do you get to your job? Well, I'll build you a car, but you pay for it. And oh, by the way, you need gas. I'll even get, I'll even get the gas here, but you've got to pay for it. That's man's way. That's not God's way. God is a God of generosity. Think about it. What do we really, really need to live? Well, we need oxygen, don't we? What does God charge you for the oxygen? Now, the funny thing is, that's not funny if you're this way, but if you get sick and you have to get it in cans now and take it inside of your house, man does that and they charge you. But God gives it to us free, right? We all need sunshine. God doesn't charge us. God's way is that he gives things freely. He gave us his word. He gave us the prophets. Of course, he gave us Jesus. And Jesus freely gave his life God's way. And so if I'm going to reflect the character of God, if I'm going to be his image bearer, then I have to learn to give generously. Now the passage that we're looking at today is in the book of 2 Corinthians. Real easy to find. It's after 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. If we had time, we'd read both chapters. We don't. So we're just going to read the first nine verses in chapter 8. Then we'll skip over and read some verses in chapter 9. So if you've got your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, their deep poverty, overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord." begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you also abound in this gracious work. I am not speaking this as a command, but is proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty, might become rich. Now skip over to chapter 9. Let's pick it up in verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance of every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. 
For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of your surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, you got to know a little bit of the backstory. The churches in Israel, primarily the one up in Antioch, actually, which is north of Israel, up in what would be Syria today, sent Paul with the gospel message. Paul and Silas ended up in Macedonia, Philippi, i.e. the book of Philippians, Thessalonica, they preached the gospel, people got saved, but a lot of persecution came. They left there and went down to Corinth when they started the church at Corinth. And now what's happened is the churches back in Israel and there in Antioch, there's a huge famine that's going on. And so Paul thinks, hey, these churches back here that now are suffering gave so these churches could hear the gospel. How about these churches now give so that we could take a gift back to the sending churches? Beautiful idea, right? And so what he's saying to the church at Corinth is that they're in Macedonia, Philippi and Thessalonica, even though they're going through difficult time, even though there's persecution, even though they're in this point where people aren't buying from them because they're Christians, they still gave and they gave even beyond their own means. And I want you, the church at Corinth, to give. And there are seven benefits to generosity. I'm going to have to hurry through these, so lots of words in a short time. But this is really good stuff. The first benefit that we see to generous giving is that it grows faith. You see it there in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 8. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Folk, giving will increase your faith. I don't understand it. I'm not sure I can explain it. But there is a string between this and your heart. And the string has to do with what are you trusting in? See, most of us are trusting in this. You know, what we've got in the bank account, you know, because we can buy food tomorrow, we can pay our mortgage. That's what we're trusting in. And it's easier to trust in this because we can kind of see it, we can hold it to trust in Christ. When we take of this and we give it to Jesus, then we're taking what we're trusting in and we're putting it in Christ. And so when you look at giving, one of the terms, if you've been around the church, you'll hear a lot is the tithe. A tithe means 10%. And it was an Old Testament piece, even before the law, that when people gave, they would give 10%. In fact, actually in the law, they give a couple tithes, so it was more like about 23% that they gave. But a tithe, 10%. So as Christians, we often talk about 10%. Even though it's not repeated in the New Testament, it's not law, it's, you know, it's not that, but it's that thing. And so I was raised that when you made money, you gave 10% to the Lord. Now, honestly, I like, I like the idea of a tithe for two reasons. Number one is easy math. 
And so for those of us who struggled in the fifth grade, it was easy. You make a thousand dollars, you give a hundred to the Lord. It's just easy math. Secondly, is that what I have found is that for most people, and we'll talk about this in a moment, it means that they really do have to start trusting on the Lord because trying to carve out 10% to give. And, but I was raised that way. So even as a kid, when I would make money, I was taught you give 10% to the Lord. And when I, I started working when I was in junior high, I gave 10% to the Lord. And when I was in high school, I gave 10% to the Lord. I'm in college and I'm paying my way through. And I've shared this story before, but it was such a seminal moment for me because it was just that normal flow in my life. But here was the thing. I was paying my way through college. I didn't make enough one summer to actually just pay for it up to begin with. So I'm making payments. And so periodically through the semester, I've got to pay. I've got in a week's time, I've got the payment coming due. And I'm working. Now, the really funny thing, especially if you know me, because I have absolutely no carpentry skills, but I actually worked on one of the first fixer-uppers. I did. I worked for a doctor. He took, was taking an old brownstone there in Chicago, four different apartments, gutting them and making one, a house for, for he and his wife and his high school son. And so when we gutted a place, and, and this is the funny thing, because I do have no skills. So I was the gopher, and I was the yell at him if something goes wrong. That's me. I got paid pretty well for it, but it was good. So I, I knew this payment was coming up in a week, so I had worked. On Saturday, I got paid, and I had just enough between what I got paid and what I had in my account to be able to make my payment. I'm happy. I'm sitting in church the next morning, and it comes to the offering. And all of a sudden, I started hearing voices. It never happened to me before. Steve, you can't give. Because if you give, you're not going to be able to make your payment. God would want you to make your payment. And if you give that money away, you're not going to be able to do it. But my heart's wrestling with it. My heart's going, but no, no, no. You, You always give to the Lord first. Yes, but God wants you to keep your commitments too. You ever had that discussion going on? I mean, we're worshiping Jesus. They're singing, leaning on the everlasting arms, and I've got this battle going on in between. And then the bucket showed up. What do I do? It's the first time in my life that I had this question. So I took out my wallet, and I put in my tithe. Needless to say, it helped my prayer life because now i got five days, and I have no idea how I'm going to get money. And the most amazing thing happened. On Wednesday, I went to my mail, a little little mail locker, and I got a little card from a little, I mean, a church of about 25, 30 people. was back in the area that I came from. I had preached there once. And it was a little card from them that said, listen, we don't have much money and we can't really support missionaries, but we want to invest in in, in people going into ministry. And so we're just, when we can, going to send you a little check. So here's a little check. We hope it helps you. Guess what? It was the exact amount. You think my faith didn't grow? I'm 40 years down the line, I'm still telling the story. It was a seminal moment. So funny, I preached this last night after the service. This gal, and she's just growing in the Lord. We, we've gotten to know her and love her. And, but she came up, she says, you're not going to believe. She said, I've struggled with giving, but God's really been working on my heart. I didn't know you were going to go here. Last Sunday, I finally decided, Lord, I know I can't affect you. just lost her job. She said, I'm going to give. I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to tithe. And she said, last week I put, I put my check in. And she said, my heart was so light because she said, I just knew I was doing what God wanted me to do. And, but I thought, wow. She, she, you wouldn't believe what happened. 
She said, this week, I've had to help support uh, my my daughter and my son-in-law over the years. I get a phone call from them, and they said, you know, you have helped us so much over the years, and we've decided that we need to start paying you back. Now, have you gotten that phone call yet? (laughs) I'm still waiting for mine, right? They sent her a check for $200. Not only covered over what she gave, but all of her need. Folk, it'll grow your faith. It's one of the benefits of giving. The second thing that we see is that it blesses others. Look here in uh, verse 4. Begging us with much uh, urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. The idea is, is that we get to get blessed because we see other people blessed through our giving. Now, I shot a video for our association. You all watched that, right? And I talked about our two church plants and one of them down at Summerton. Summerton's a little Hispanic community just outside of Yuma, 90% Hispanic. What I couldn't tell them uh, was that the main supporter of that church financially this past year was us. Desert Springs. We've sent them $1,500 a month so that they could rent the space. I met with Pastor Carlos. They actually just celebrated their one-year anniversary last, last week. Do you know that in this last year, they have seen 46 people come to faith in Christ? Yeah, isn't that cool? We got to be a part of that. Do our giving. And so it blesses others. We send missionaries and they tell the good news and people become saved. Man, we get to be a part of blessing others through our giving. Another benefit of giving is that it grows your love for Jesus. Let's look at verse 5. So this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And then you skip down to verse 8. I'm not speaking this as a command, but proving through your earnestness of others the sincerity of your love. You see, when you give, it will cause you to love Jesus more. Now you say, Steve, now come on, how does that work? Well, let me explain how it works. Remember what Jesus said, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. He didn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. It's where your treasure goes, that's where your heart goes. You and I can be directive with where our heart and our interest goes. And this is the thing, when we give to the Lord, it focuses our treasure in Him. It focuses our treasure on the things of God. And so when we give, it causes our heart to fall more and more in love with Jesus. Number four, it develops spiritual maturity. Uh, look here in verse seven. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you also abound in this gracious work. If I could tell you the biggest misunderstanding that even Christians have about money, it's this. There's this idea that somehow giving is how God raises money. Now, let me throw a little theology your way, but I think you'll get this. God doesn't need our money. He kind of owns it all, right? The cattle on a thousand hills, the thousand hills, he needs money, he sells a couple cows, you know? He doesn't need us. Then why does God ask us to give? 
He's not raising money. What he is raising is he's raising children. He's raising you and me to become like Jesus. And if we're going to become like Jesus, we've got to learn to give. That, that's the whole piece here. It develops maturity. And for those of us that are parents, we understand this. Because what you want is your children to grow in maturity. And as they grow and mature physically, you want them to grow and mature academically. And you want them to grow and mature socially. And you want them to grow and mature spiritually. And as a parent, you know how frustrating it gets, especially in those junior high years and those high school years. When you're seeing the maturity physically and maybe even academically, but all of a sudden they go and they do something just just so, not stupid, boneheaded. (laughs) And you're just pulling out. Well, I see some of you had those kids, all right? You pull out your hair going, won't you grow up in this area? See, you you don't want them in just one area or two areas. You want them well-rounded. If you and I, in fact, let me, let me be bold. It is impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and not be learning to be a generous giver. Because that's his heart. God is wanting to raise you and to I. And so when we give, it matures us in that area. I, I've got to hurry on here. Last three things. Generous giving means investing in spiritual things that bring a great return. So you skip over chapter 9, verse 6. Now I, this I say, he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. You know, this is one of those things I almost hate to bring up because in our culture, in our church culture, there's that thing out there called the prosperity gospel that God almost becomes like an ATM. You know, we put money in so he'll give back. Or, or better yet, almost like a slot machine because we put in a little we want a lot back you know and listen I want you to understand that you don't give to get that is the exact wrong reason it's never about that but it is true that those who sow sparingly reap sparingly in fact back in Luke that passage Jesus says give and it will be given to you that you will pour into your lap a good measure pressed down shaken together running over by the standard with which you get, so, you know, sparingly or generously, it'll be given back to you. And when Jesus says this, he's not talking about if you give money, you're going to get money back. It's just God's going to bless you. God's going to provide. God's going to do things in your life. Sometimes you get that better paying job. Sometimes it's just the things that should break, don't break. I mean, God's just got lots and lots of ways of meeting your needs. But when you and I give, we invest in eternal things. Not only that, it actually gives us the promise of our needs being met. Uh, Notice here in verse 8. He says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance. You know, when we give, we have the promise that God will meet our needs. There's a verse in Philippians. You've seen it. You've heard it a lot. It's one of the most quoted verses in Scripture. I'm going to argue that it's one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture because it's taken out of context. It's Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You've heard the verse. You've quoted the verse. Maybe even prayed the verse. Great. It's true. You just got to understand the context. You know what the context of that verse is? 
So Paul's in jail. The church at Philippi, Macedonia, going through difficult stuff, doesn't have much, took up a collection and sent it by Epaphroditus to Paul. In fact, the, very, the verse right before this says this, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant Roman acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Therefore, my God will supply your need. It is the promise that as we give, God's going to take care of us. He's going to meet our needs. It's his promise. The last one is actually found in verses 11 to 13, and I'm really getting short on time, but he mentions three times thanksgiving that when we give one of the benefits is it brings praise to the lord it brings praise to the lord by the people that receive it are blessed by it it brings praise from us i mean think about it we just heard about 46 people coming to faith in christ through our giving we went woohoo we're praising jesus for what he's done but you know there's a third area where god is praised and it's in the spiritual realm we don't talk about it much but think the story of job where job's going about life but in the spiritual realm, God's going to Satan. Hey, have you noticed my, my servant Job and how he follows after me? And Satan says, oh, it's only because you blessed him. Well, take it away. And he took it away, but Job continued to bless him. There's that spirit. When you and I give, and it's so counterculture, and it goes against everything that our culture says about me and mine and having this and having that, and we're out here giving, in the spiritual realm, it gives great praise to the Lord. Now, in the midst of this, in this passage, there are three important attitudes. And the thing you've got to understand, because this is not about God raising money, this is not about him, you know, trying to, to, to get your money, but it's about him trying to change your heart. The attitude is important. And there's three attitudes. The first two are found back in chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. The first attitude is it has to be sacrificial giving has to be sacrificial it just can't be why because the whole idea is if it's just out of my surplus then why do i have to trust in god how's it going to grow faith it's got to be sacrificial i love what c.s lewis said c.s lewis said i do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give i am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than you can spare because when we give sacrificially, that makes us depend upon the Lord. That causes us to, to, to look to Him, and now we can see Him at work in our life. The second word's kind of tied to that, but it even goes beyond that, and that is to give generously. And that is, is, is to be open-handed with what we have. You know, I told you before, I, I love the idea of a tithe. It's easy math. It's just, it's a, and be honest with you, for, for most people that have not given or given much, to carve out 10% of their budget is going to cause them to seek the Lord. I think that's good. This is where it actually gets bad because sometimes for people like me who get a box, I gave 10%, and then we kind of close our minds and our hearts off to different needs that come up and, and we can't do that. We got to be open to, to when God brings people into our path and things to our, to our mind and, and say, hey, I want you to be a part of that. We've got to be generous with what we have and be willing always to give. And then the third attitude is that we are to give joyfully. Chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Not, not grudgingly. Not, oh man, because I have to. But Lord, I get the privilege of being able to give. Now with that, let's talk about a plan. Generosity, giving generously, 
is huge. It's got to be a priority. I mean, think back to everything we've talked about so far. I mean, Solomon tells us we need to give generously. Jesus tells us we need to give generously. We're created in the image of God. If we're going to be like him, his image bearers, we've got to learn to give generously. We've looked at seven blessings that come into our life if we give generously. So to me, if it's that important, then we have to be intentional. We have to get a plan. So for me, a couple of suggestions that I would give you is this. Number one, when you set out to make a budget, the first line item ought to be the tithe. It ought to be, what am I going to give to the Lord? Again, I think a tithe, the 10% is great. It, it's not legalistic. It's not, you know, God loves you more if you do 10% and hates you, hates you a little bit if you only do five. It's not that. But I just think it's really simple. And here's the thing. I know because what God's trying to do in your heart that he will be faithful. But, but I'll give you this promise. If, if you haven't done this and you try it for three months, 90 days, at the end of those 90 days, you're going, man, that was the dumbest financial thing I've ever done. You know, my, my finances ruined. You, you let us know. We'll give you your money back. I know I won't give you your money back because I know you're going to be sitting there telling me stories of how God has just made a way. That's what he does. Your heart will be like Christie's last night, just all aglow that God has been faithful. So I think it needs to be number one, that first fruit. Secondly, once you get out of the consumer debt, just left maybe with the mortgage or, or whatever, but at that point, I think you need to try to expand past that. You know, again, Tammy and I, both in our own lives, when we got married, we, we gave temp- We It was not hard for us to live on 90%. It's all we had done in our lives. So one of the things that we've tried to do over our 29 years together is we conti- have tried to continue to, to, you know, to stretch that. We haven't just given 10% in decades because we want to continue to learn to give, to be generous, to, to, to give sacrificially, to make sure that it's that keeping our heart focused on the Lord. And the last piece that I would encourage you to do is that as you think about your why, how you want to bless the world, make sure giving is a part of that. You know, I shared a little bit of Tammy and I and our why and some things that we're looking at. Quite honestly, there's some, there's some giving things in that I didn't mention because we need to keep a few things, I guess, close to the vest. But man, it's one of the reasons why we're on the crusade, getting our house paid off. Because there's some giving that we can do that will allow us to, to just meet needs that we can't do right now. So make it a part of your why. How can we give? How can we bless others? Because, folks, here's the thing. This is what reflects the heart of God. He so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice to be the ransom for our sins. And that's where it all starts You know, maybe you're new here today. Maybe this is the first time that that you've ever come. I just don't want you to be confused. The truth is you can put every dollar you have in the offering plate. It will not impress God and it will not change your relationship with God. He has provided salvation. You can't buy it. You just have to receive it as a free gift. It's the only way. The gift of God 
the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. But once you come to experience that and you become one of his children, he is trying to make you into his image. And that means we have to learn to give. Give. 